Hello and welcome to Pickleball Therapy, the podcast dedicated to your pickleball improvement. Still recovering from the three weeks of camps that we had in Tampa. A lot of fun, a lot of players uh, we got to meet and play with. Some, And actually, uh, a, a good number of players who were either system members and came to the camp or uh, were prior campers that came back to learn some more pickleball. Because here's what happens, folks. Pickleball is pickleball, okay? Right? We're going to serve cross-court for a long time in this game. And so, you know, the game is going to be what the game is. What changes is where you are along your journey. And if we can help you with that, I'm telling you, the pickleball system, it's a good, good place to get what you need to get where you want to go. And what will happen is you'll start changing as a pickleball player. You'll start seeing more and more and more of it. And you'll go, my Lord, there's a lot here. And there is. But you do it one step at a time. All right. This week's podcast, we're going to talk to you about why do you play pickleball? Let me ask you. I'm going to ask you a question. Why are you going out to the pickleball courts this week to play pickleball or next week or whenever you're playing? What is it that drives you there? We're going to talk about that. And we're going to talk about how to use that to your advantage. And then in the riff, we're going to talk about those illegal serves and making the calls on those illegal serves and other sort of calls that we make out there, when to make them and when maybe not to make them. Stay tuned for pickleball therapy. Whether we're teaching, drilling, or playing, CJ and I trust our feet and bodies to only one pickleball shoe. The pickleball shoe made by the experts at Tyrol Pickleball. Tyrol is the only shoe manufacturer that designs shoes specifically and only for pickleball. Click on the link below and check out the shoes that CJ and I trust and try a pair yourself. We'll see it on the court. So I asked you a question, right? In the introduction, I said, why do you play pickleball? Well, why do you play pickleball? Everybody has a different answer. Your answer may be the same as another person, another person, but it's still your answer, right? Do you play it for exercise? Do you play it for activity to meet, you know, meet new friends just to see friends you have? Is it social for you? Uh, is it sense of community? Is it some exercise? Is it, you know, health? Whatever. What is the reason you play pickleball? Because I'm going to tell you one thing. You know why you what what not what your what is not your reason for playing pickleball? Almost got tongue tied on that one. You know what is not your reason for playing pickleball? Winning, winning games. No one out there is playing pickleball, right? As your core reason for playing pickleball in order to go out and win games. Yet that a lot of times becomes why we you know how not why we play but how we evaluate our play, and that can be very dangerous as we're going to get to in a second. So I got another question for you. If you played last week or the week before or last month, whenever the last time you played is, how many games did you win on Tuesday? How many games did you lose on Wednesday? How many games did you win the week before on a Tuesday or the Monday, right? Eventually, you're like, I, don't, I have no idea, right? But if I ask you, hey, last week, did you see your friend, uh, you know, Laura or your friend John or something like that? You may have an answer for me, right? Or, you know, hey, have you seen, you know, so-and-so in a while? If you've seen him, you're going to say, oh, yeah, every time. Or if you haven't seen him in a while, you're going to be like, you know what? I haven't seen so-and-so in a while. So those things stick out. If I ask you, hey, did you, did you get some exercise when you were out there? Probably you're going to say, hopefully, yes. Right? Yeah, I did. I got some games in. Wow, that was, you know, I remember, man, my legs were tired or whatever, right? Those are the things that matter when we go out on the pickleball court. And what happens is, and it's very natural. So this is not a criticism. Don't you don't have to don't, don't feel bad that this is how your brain is wired because you have no choice over this in terms of how your 
basic wiring of your body is, or your brain is, I should say, your mind. And specifically, you know, we are wired to survive. We are made to survive. And survival means, you know, if there's one acorn available or one whatever to eat available, I better get it before you get it. And if you get it before I get it, in that situation, what happens is I may actually die. I know it sounds kind of kind of morose, and I'm sorry about that, or morbid, I should say. But you know, if you think about it that way, that's how your brain is literally wired, hardwired. So in order to you know overcome that or or get past that, you have some work to do, right? You and and that's an, a beauty of being a, a, a sentient being like you are with a brain with a supercomputer up there in your mind, in your in your head, I should say, a supercomputer in your head is that you have the ability to rewire yourself and to and to have workarounds to get around your hardwiring, which is if I don't get this acorn, I may die this winter. Understanding that pickleball, important, yes, I get it, right? It's important to us to do the best we can out there and to and to compete and everything like that. But no one here, no one anywhere in the world is going to you know, cease to live, cease to exist because you lost that game, right? Or because, you know, you gave away the big lead or you had the ball, you know, you had the win on your paddle, whatever it is, fill in the blank about the game that you lost that you were upset about. It it does not have the same consequences as I didn't get the acorn and somebody else did it and now I can't make it through the winter, Okay. And so once you start understanding that and understanding what's happening with your hard wiring, you can, um, you can, you know, firstly, you can, um, you can basically react to it better. So the, the, the hard wiring is still going to make you feel bad initially, but then you put it into the, into your conscious filter and you're like, wait a minute, whoa, 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 whoa. Hey, wait a minute. Okay. Not, nothing's happening here. Right. Um, you know, no, no death to anybody because I lost that game. So I'm going to move on. And then you can actually make it better and better as you push it push that thought process further and further back into your subconscious, right? To basically intercept the, the, the negative feeling or the negative thoughts earlier and earlier, you'll get better at it as you work. It's just like anything else. You kind of got to get yourself trained a little bit with it. Um, but what you want to do is, you know, one thing that's helpful, I should say, is, you know, I asked you why you play pickleball. When you go out to play pickleball, you know, ask yourself or, or tell yourself, Okay, I know that I came here because of fill in the blank, to see my friend, to get exercise, whatever it is, fill in that blank. And then what happens is when you go out there, you're getting what you came for, the exchange, the quid pro quo. And so all of a sudden, the score becomes kind of not that important anymore because it's not what you came for. You know, it's important. I get it, right? I mean, we're, we're tracking it and everything, but it's not the central tenet of why you're there it's not the it's not the it's not the core of why you're there it may be it now becomes more peripheral and the more peripheral you can make the score the better you're going to feel about yourself out there right whether you're winning or losing it doesn't matter and also you're going to play better because you're not going to be worried about something over which you don't have control and that's the other thing i want to point out about the winning this winning idea or the idea of winning trying to win you don't have control over that okay I know it can be, sometimes it's hard to get our arms around this, right? What do you mean I can't win? I can't control my winning? No, you cannot. 
It doesn't tell you anything about your game and you have no control over it. But let me focus on the no control over it. You cannot go out to the court to win. That's not a thing. There's nothing you can do to do that, to win. Like in that way, right? The way I framed it. What you can do is you can say, you know what? Today, I'm going to give myself a higher clearance over the net with my shots. Oh, you can do that. You can say to yourself, you know what? Today, I'm going to really work on my returns to serve and get those deep. Today, I'm going to make it up to the MVZ. Now, I'm not telling you to do all these in one day. I'm just giving you different ideas, right? Don't try and do all of these in one time. But today, I'm going to make it to the MVZ line every single time I return serve. Today, I'm going to try and hit a third shot drop. Today, I am going to reduce the swing on my ding. Today, I'm going to reduce the swing on my volley. Whatever. Whatever you select, right? That thing, that is what you focus on. Now, the reality is that when you focus on those things and you do them better and better and better, you will win more. That's a result, right? So you will win more by the process over which you have control. Clearing the net more. I mean, just think of the one thing, the net. Imagine a game, if you will, where you never, during the entire game, ever hit the net with a ball. Isn't that a better game for you? I would assume so. Because the net can't be beat. Your opponents, I don't know, maybe, maybe not. But I know, I know for sure what the net's going to do. The net's going to beat you every time. So imagine a game where you take just the net out of play. Changes your game entirely. And now, do your chances of winning go up or down there? They definitely go up. Now, does that mean you're going to win? No, doesn't necessarily mean that. But you're giving yourself the best chance. So now you've taken the net out of play. And the next time you, you play pickleball, you are uh, being very intentional with your return to serve and getting it nice and deep every single time. What happens to your chance of winning then? It goes up. And so you can see how like each one of these things that improves your chances of winning, they add up, folks. So I'm, I'm not hitting the net. My returns are deep. Percentage went up. Percentage went up. Now I make it to the MBZ every time. Percentage went up, right? So as you start adding these things together, that is what eventually results in you winning those games. And so if you start thinking about it that way, you have more control over those items, Right? And you have agency and control over them as opposed to something like winning or losing over which you have directly no control. Indirectly, right? you can exercise some agency by doing these things, but you cannot directly control the winning or losing. And that's why I think it's so frustrating for players because it's different than the acorn. Right, like if you know if you're if you were living ten thousand years ago and you needed to get that acorn to survive, then you can either go grab the acorn or not grab the acorn, right? And then you have the feedback of I got it or I didn't get it, right? It's pretty straightforward. So we translate that into winning an abstract game, which pickleball is, right? I mean, we're on the court hitting balls, right? But the scoring and everything else is abstract, right? It's like this thing that's like we can't grab it, we can't hold it, but it's important to us. So we we basically put it in the same category as the acorn, right? And so if you, can, if you can understand that it's not the same as the acorn, the winning part, and that you don't have control directly over that winning, then you're going to not chase something that you have no direct control over, which means you have the ability in your mind to, to have free space to focus on things that you actually have control over and which will, in fact, improve your play, resulting in more wins.
Now, this process and results distinction is an important distinction. It is what we what we build the pickleball system around. So if you're a system member, you're hearing this. If you're hearing this, maybe quote unquote for the first time, like it's not something you've really registered before, go back into the pickleball system, into your into your class, and go back and watch that video on process and results. Because that that kind of stuff is what you want to really reframe the brain on. All right, so in the in the riff, we're going to talk about calling those illegal serves and other calls that we make on the pickleball court and give you some ideas as to when maybe call them and when maybe go, eh, let's leave that one alone. Stay tuned for the riff. Pickleball players often focus on their shots, on improving their shots. There's nothing wrong with improving your shots. You will need to be able to hit shots to play your best pickleball. However, selecting the best shot for any given situation depends on the game's framework. From the framework of the game, you can develop the objectives that you need to accomplish when you're out on the court. From objectives, you get strategies. From strategies, you select the best shot. If you want to play your best pickleball and understand the game when you're out there, you'll need to understand the framework of pickleball. The most efficient way to learn the framework of pickleball is through the pickleball system. You not only get the shots and strategies and objectives you need, you get the framework of the game. Join us inside a system class and become a complete pickleball player. I'll link to it below. Illegal serves. No one likes them. Now, we get asked a ton of questions about illegal serves, right? Is this serve illegal? Does this look illegal to you? How about this one? How about that one? Um, and listen, I'm not, I'm not trying to make light of it, right? Or, or you know, tell you that the rules don't matter and things like that. But, you know, what I think we should do with these types of situations, illegal serves, out calls, NVZ violations, whatever it is. And I'm going to address them a little differently. Let's talk about illegal serves and NVZ faults, faulty kind of things versus out calls. We'll address each one separately here. But let's talk first about illegal serves or, or kitchen faults, right, where the player stepped into the NVZ or non-volley zone. And what I suggest you do before you make the call is ask yourself one question. Was there a, a, a substantive change in the rally based on the thing that I'm calling? So substantive change is the key here, right? As an example, let's say if somebody is hitting what is in fact an illegal serve. We all look at it and we all go, yep, that's an illegal serve. But the serve that the player is hitting is essentially a regular serve. The same basic serve that would be hit if the player used the proper legal serve technique. Okay, so there's no substantive change in the shot. Should we call that? My, our suggestion is no, don't call that. Okay, why? Well, first of all, it, doesn't cha- it didn't change the rally at all. Like there was no change in the rally. It's the same shot that you'd expect any player, you know, in that group to kind of hit. It's from the same, you know, same way if it was hit, you know, legally. And if it doesn't have a substantive change, why interfere with the flow of a rally or a flow of a game, I should say, right? And friendships and things, relationships and things like that over something that doesn't matter, right? It's like, why does it make a difference whether they serve that way or the other way? And the other thing that I'm going to suggest to you is, you know, we don't know everybody's stories. And, you know, how are you going to feel the, and I'm not saying this is going to be common, but how are you going to feel the time that you call somebody on that? And they look at you and say, oh, I'm sorry, I, I didn't mean to do it that way. I have a, you know, shoulder, elbow, name it problem, right? That 
happened to me, you know, in an accident or whatever. And this is the most I can do with my arm. That's a pretty off, awkward conversation, I think, right? Or, you know, okay, I'll, I'll, I guess I'll go back and learn a different serve. I'm sorry. You know, now, now you're making somebody like spend all this time, you know, trying to fix a serve that, again, is not giving them a competitive advantage. That's another way of thinking about it if you want. Is it giving them a competitive advantage or is it substantively changing the situation? If not, recommendation, let it be. Let it fly. Exercise your control because you have it, not to call a, a fault there. Same thing with MVZ violations. You know, if the player steps in, it's so obvious that everyone's like, oh, yeah, definitely, right? Because you're like fully in the MVZ. Okay, call it. That's fine. But if it's a ticky-tack MVZ fault, meaning like just a little bit of a slip or a slide on the foot, that's so hard to call. And even if you do call it, if they don't agree with you, what are you going to get then? And if they agree with you, how are they going to feel about it, right? So pause for one second whenever something happens that's an illegal situation, right, or a fault that you see, and ask yourself, did it substantively change the situation, the rally or the, the, the complexity, the com- not the complexity, I'm sorry, the complexion, right, of what we're doing? If the answer is no, let it go. If the answer is yes, then okay, then you can make a decision as to whether you want to go forward and call a fault. Um, I'll get, tell you a quick story on illegal serves. I was uh, one time tra- traveling, right, and we were at a, at a, at a facility, uh, you know, in another part of the country. And you know, I was, Jill was too. Jill and I were both rotating in different areas, you know, and so I was rotating with basically beginner players, you know, so call them two, five to three L players. And we're talking, I'm hitting soft to them, moving the ball around, just, you know, having a nice game. But I was, I, I wasn't really paying attention to my serve and I was feeding them the ball more than serving it. So I was basically like kind of like starting the rally, a nice loopy thing, right? Like a feed, feed. And so, um, I don't come I'm probably done at the time. And, and one of the players on the other side, very nice lady, but she comes up to me and says, do you know your serve is illegal? And so what, what struck me about it was, again, she wasn't doing anything mean. She wasn't doing anything wrong, but that that was the takeaway, right? That that was the, the, like what she was getting out of that experience about, you know, all of us playing and having a nice morning playing pickleball was how illegal my serve was. When all I was doing was looping enter. If I had served it legally, I would have, you know, using my normal serve, it would have been much harder for her to hit than the thing I was doing, quote unquote, illegally. So just keep that in mind when you're making the calls. On out calls, I'm going to suggest one thing real quick. If you hit a ball and your opponents call it out, everybody makes bad calls. It happens. So let's assume that they've made a bad call, right? Now, I'm going to bet you that that you know, 90, 99, 98, 99% of players out there, when they make bad calls, totally unintentional. Didn't mean to make it bad. They just saw it differently than you saw it. And even if they're wrong, that's how they saw it. Now, what I'm going to tell you is this. If you hit a ball that is so close to the line that it's arguably out, maybe take a little agency, take a little responsibility for that. Exercise your agency, exercise your control, use your control. And don't put the ball in a situation where there's a possibility of it being called out. Give yourself a, and you'll play better pickleball by doing this. Hit, give yourself a better margin error next time. If you hit the ball and it gets called out, you look across and you go, you know what? I'm going to take responsibility for that. I put the ball in a situation where I made it really hard for my, my friend over there, my opponent, but my friend over there to make a good call. Bad on me. Next time, I'll give myself a better margin of error and hit it cl- further in the court so that doesn't happen. All right, hope you enjoyed this week's podcast. As always, rating and review helps us out a lot. We, you know, what we try and do is we want this message to reach as many players as 
want to hear it, right? So if they're not hearing it, it's hopefully because they choose not to as opposed to they haven't had the opportunity. So rating and reviewing really helps with that. The other thing that really helps us is if you can share it with your friends. As we always say it there in every podcast, if you enjoy the podcast, imagine how your friends are going to feel when you send them the podcast and go, hmm, listen to this, you're going to enjoy it. So share it with your friends. All right, folks, that's the end of the podcast this week. Have a great week, and we'll see you next time.